Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Vando, more like Van, he's about to make a lot of dough in just a year, because if you haven't heard it yet, Jared Vanderbilt has just signed a shiny new $48 million over four-year extension with the Los Angeles Lakers. So congrats to V for Vendetta. He's here to stay. More on his extension in just a second. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am, of course, joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. How are you? How has September been treating you? Do you remember? Wait, what's that September song? Is that how it goes? Do, Do you, you remember, remember yeah. <laughs> the 21st night? Oh, September. there you go. Yeah, how's your September gone? It's been nice, dude. It's been hot, but nice. Hot and nice is just how we like it, baby. Although it has started to get a little bit overcast and chilly in LA the last couple of days or so. But regardless, September is zooming by in light speed, and in just two and a half weeks, we shall all have Lakers preseason basketball, October 7th versus the Warriors. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But for today's episode, we have a limited time with Tommy today, so we are going to place our focus on the Lakers' versatile crop of forwards, newly minted Jared Vanderbilt included, We're also going to talk a little bit about Rui Hachimura at the three and debate the validity of that. And then we will turn our attention towards Austin Reeves and the big year he has ahead of him and the reckoning that's about to come with the NBA world and the NBA haters coming for his head, ready to poke any and every hole at his legitimacy. But first, really quickly, as you all know, Jared Vanderbilt just got extended this past week. $48 million over four years with a player option on the fourth year. He's averaging about $12 million a year, which is right at the full mid-level exception this past year. And that will be well below what the full mid-level will be in three years after the cap spikes. That's a good point. Now, Jared Vanderbilt's extension kicks in next year. This year, he's still on his $4 million deal from his current contract. So the Lakers will have him fully under control for the 24-25 season, 25-26 season, and the 26-27 season. In 27-28, Vanderbilt has his player option, and he will be 28 years old that year. Very important to note, Vanderbilt cannot be traded this season. Per NBA rules, a player cannot be traded for six months after signing their extension, and six months from when Vando signed last week, 
puts him past the trade deadline for this year. So Vanderbilt cannot be included in your hypothetical trade packages. <laughs> so I don't want to delve too deeply into this extension talk because for me, this was a no-brainer. The last podcast where we talked about Vando's extension, I know, Tommy, that you had said you would probably still take a wait-and-see approach on extending Vanderbilt to see yeah. whether he had improved on his jump shot. But for me, I said that if the Lakers could manage to get Vanderbilt for around $12 million, they should absolutely do it because that's a bargain at the current mid-level value. I was actually just dubious about whether Vando and his camp would actually accept that type of deal. Yeah. Because $12 million, even a year from now, is below the mid-level exception. And that was my biggest question, whether Vando would actually accept $12 million a year. But he did. And... I'm assuming what ended up pushing things through to the finish line was that fourth-year player option security that the Lakers gave him. Yeah. All in all, I'm very happy about this deal for both sides. The Lakers got out ahead of things. They learned from their Caruso mistakes of the past, met Vando where he was at in terms of contract and years. Vanderbilt is only 24 years old. He still has some upside. Yes. But even if he never improves on his jump shooting, you're not going to find very many 6'9", 6'10", forwards who can handle the ball, play make, push the ball for you, rebound, and then defend the likes of Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Brandon Ingram, Luka Doncic. He can scale up. He can scale down. You're not going to find very many players like that for just the full MLE. No. And again, $12 million in three years is going to look more like 5 to $7 million when the cap spikes. So this is far from an overpay. And I think at the end of the day, the biggest, most underrated part about this deal and getting this deal done now is peace of mind for Jared Vanderbilt and the Lakers heading into training camp. Exactly. Now that Vanderbilt is locked up, now that he's got paid, he doesn't have to worry about whether he's going to get traded this season. There was a very real possibility that if this extension agreement hadn't been made, that Vando would end up being one of the Lakers' prime trade pieces in any trade proposal and package that would come up this season because he was on an expiring $4 million contract and the Lakers probably would have wanted to get something out of him if he decided to walk. Yeah, yeah. But now, Vanderbilt doesn't have that looming over his head. He doesn't have to deal with any of the noise of hearing his name in every trade proposal. And he doesn't have to do that because he quite literally can't be traded this season. Yeah. And so Vanderbilt can head into training camp with a clear head Everyone's happy, everyone's paid, everyone's feeling secure as a Laker, and now we can all get to work. So that's my biggest takeaway from this deal. So bravo to Rob Palenka for getting this shit done and not having yeah. anything hanging over the team's heads heading into training camp. This has truly been a drama-less offseason where Rob took care of business, so kudos. But Tommy, do you have anything else to add on the Jared Vanderbilt deal, and do you... Do you agree with it? Do you agree with the terms that the Lakers came to with Vanderbilt? Yeah, any thoughts? I agree with it. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Okay, there you go. Well, congrats to Vanderbilt again, and his extension perfectly segues us into a larger conversation on the Lakers forward. So, question for you. Is this the most versatile front court the Lakers have had in terms of ball handling, shooting passing is it the most versatile front court we've had since i don't know lamar odom pal gasol andrew bynum now i'm not comparing all these guys to those guys but if you look at vanderbilt anthony davis christian wood rui hachimura 
I'm not even putting LeBron James in here, even though he, yeah. he belongs in here as a 6'9 point forward. But just looking at AD, Vando, Wood, and Rui, who you would consider a traditional front court, for me, I'm looking at that and I'm like, I don't know if we've ever had this skilled a crop of forwards. Like Vando, AD, Wood, and Rui can all handle the rock. They can all push it in transition, maybe more Vando, AD, and Wood. But those three can definitely ignite your fast break off a rebound themselves. They can pass to other people in transition. They can take it all the way themselves, especially Vanderbilt with his handles. AD, Wood, and Rui can all shoot from the mid-range out. They can all get a bucket whenever they want to. They can get a tough bucket with guys in their face. AD, Vando, and Wood all have underrated playmaking skills and abilities. Do they all shoot perfectly from three? No, but in terms of like the combo of skill, ball handling, shooting. I think you'd have to go as far back as Lamar, Powell, and Odom. I mean, Lamar, Powell, and Odom. Lamar, Powell, and Bynum, right? To to see a Lakers... And Andrew. And Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Lamar, Powell, Odom, Bynum, and Andrew. You know, <laughs> you have to go back that far in terms of a Lakers front court or a crop of forwards that are this skilled. And again, we're not even talking about Cam Reddish and, and Torian Prince, but yeah... Is this the most versatile front court, and how does that make you feel about our forwards? Certainly the most versatile in recent memory. I mean, you know, if you think about it, even a few years ago when we won the championship, we had a really nice center rotation. I mean, between like the fact that we could play AD at the four and then rotate JaVale, who was just coming off of championships with the Warriors and, and playing in that system, Dwight, who was sort of an unexpected surprise and ended up sort of coming into his own as a pure defensive stopper without worrying about like his offense as much. Um, you know, we, and then obviously adding Markeith Morris and having uh, Kyle Kuzma, like that was a pretty nice set of big of, uh, of bigs. When you think of pure forwards though, and, and the versatility we have now, I mean, and shot creation, sorry, shot creation, especially and shot creation. I mean, think about the lineups or like the rotations we've had since that championship, right? It's been guard heavy, we haven't been able to find length at the wing. We've been consistently abused. I mean, we've lost the Clippers 15 times in a row because Paul George and Kawhi just shoot over everybody and outmuscle everybody, you know? So it's like, we, like, I, I think on both ends of the floor, right? You talked more about the offense, but even on the defensive side, like mm-hmm. Rui can really guard both forward spots. He's got the strength to hold his own in the post. He's got the fluidity to move his feet on the perimeter. If Vando's elite, um, you know, we'll see what we can get out of Wood, but yeah, it, it's across the board, like in many different ways, probably like the best the best set of forwards we've we've had since since the group you mentioned, forwards slash bigs. Yeah, they're all creative. They can all do stuff off the bounce, off their own dribble. They can shoot. Vanderbilt is TBD in that department, but even he can keep a defense on us with his baseline three-pointers, and we'll see what he does this upcoming season. But I'm very excited at the forward crop that we have and just how much they can do. And then obviously you have the best forward out there with LeBron James handling the rock, and it's going to take so much pressure off of his plate. An extension to this question, though, is what we've seen from Rui Hachimura's off-season workouts with Phil Handy, how he's quote-unquote transformed his body, and he does look slimmer. But what are your thoughts on Slim Rui and whether or not he can actually be a wing? When we did our starting lineups predictions, we both had Rui as a starter. Now, this is all semantics, but presumably, because we don't want LeBron James at this age to be playing the three, presumably that would make Rui Hachimura the three. Can you see him 
actually doing that. Now, I want to see it. I want to see them try to deploy him in that respect. I have my doubts about whether or not he can actually be that prototypical 3 and D wing because I actually think these days, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like at that wing spot, you almost want to downsize a little bit from the 6-9 guys that we've typically considered to be elite 3 and D wing defenders. Maybe not downsize, but you typically think of like a Dorian Finney-Smith or like a Mikhail Bridges. They have more... They have a slighter frame to them. They can slither around screens better. They can really yeah. move less their girth, feet. Less girth, I think, is what you're... Yeah, what less you're girth, is, exactly. Now, I came up with a sort of comp for Rui, an aspirational comp that I think he can reach, or not reach, but maybe more realistically hit. And if we can get the Jeremy Grant version of Rui Hachimura on the defensive end... I think he has a shot at being a 3 and D guy. I still think because of how strong he is, he's probably still better suited leveraging his strong frame against like more power forward type players. But if he can become more Jeremy Grant and even Aaron Gordon on the defensive end, then I could see Rui at the three, slim Rui working. But I, I'm still not at the point where I'm like, yeah, stick him on Jason Tatum and let him lock him down because... You know, as we saw from last year, Rui really excelled when he was guarding beefier guys who are a little bit more plotting, like Carl Anthony Towns, even Giannis Antetokounmpo. But your thoughts on Slim Rui at the three? I I want to, it to work because I think it's Rui's best chance to get consistent minutes. Um, mm-hmm. He's LeBron at this stage. I don't offensively it doesn't matter, right? But defensively, I, I certainly don't think they want him guarding the opposing team's best wing player every night. So if Rui can hang with those types of guys, then yeah, it should work. I think to your point, like we are seeing this move away from, I mean, I use Kawhi Leonard as an example, right? But like Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, like those types of guys are maybe becoming a little bit more of the exception. Even Tatum leans more towards like the Mikhail Bridges end of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, how fluid he is and how quick he is on the perimeter. But it's almost like you need less strength at that position night in and night out. And and to your point, somebody who could slither around screens, somebody who's not going to get beat off the dribble on the, with the first step, a quick first step at the, off the, you know, on the perimeter. Um, so I don't know if it's going to work. I think that's why there's a lot of question marks going into training camp about how these forward pieces are going to fit together because it could be very well the case that Torian Prince ends up being the best option. It could very well be the case that Vanderbilt ends up being the best option. We're going to need someone who could play defense besides AD in that starting group. And especially because like D'Lo has his issues defensively. Austin Reeves is a solid defender, but in certain matchups can get picked on. Um, you know, there is an, an argument that Vando, who I've said at, at times might not even make the rotation. There's an argument he could he should be the starter. You know what I mean? So it it's I'm curious to see how it works out. I think Rui has really committed to this idea and this goal that the front office has had for him. And the nice thing is, like, the strength is there, um, even if he has slimmed down. So the option to use him as a four is always going to be there. Um, and certainly off the bench, even off the bench, you could probably use him as a three, but you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think it, like you said, it's, it's good to start there and and we'll just have to adjust as needed. Yeah, I agree. But I'm looking forward to seeing how Rui has rebuilt himself and reimagined his game with Phil Handy after a full off season with Phil Handy. So 
yeah, and again, we have a very versatile crop of forwards to look forward to. Uh, let's take it to break. When we return, let's close things out with a little bit of Austin Reeves talk. Hey guys, quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. At this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said, thank you for consuming our content, and please enjoy the rest of the show. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, so we are back. So obviously, Austin Reeves had a, I mean, depending on who you're asking, I think a pretty successful stint with Team USA, even though it didn't end how we wanted it to end. But Tommy, considering we went from Austin Reeves as a waste of a roster spot and only has a roster spot because he's a Laker to fans now getting mad at Austin Reeves for blowing defensive assignments in close games of a Team USA game. <laughs> like, I, I think it's just so funny. It's so funny the goalpost moving that has happened with regards to Austin Reeves around the globe by opposing fan bases. And this always happens when you're a Laker, I feel like. And this year, I, I think fans need to brace themselves for the Austin Reeves reckoning because it's coming back in full force. The hate is incoming like no other because he's a Laker. It was all fun and games, Tommy, when the Lakers were bad and fooling around with Russell Westbrook that other fans were looking at Austin Reeves as this undrafted player and rallying behind him. Even non-Lakers fans, they were like, oh yeah, Austin Reeves is the best player on this Lakers team. And they were kind of doing it tongue in cheek, right? But it was great when he was just when you could caveat and qualify his his game as being an undrafted player, a dude from a small school who had to transfer, a dude from a small town, et cetera, et cetera. But now that we got the second half of Austin Reeves' 2023 season, we got his playoff run with the Lakers, and then all of a sudden we got his FIBA run with Team USA, where he was legitimately like a top three or four player on the team with a bunch of all-stars around his age range. Now that we got that, all of a sudden, everybody's turning on this guy and they are micro-focused on everything he does and starting to think that he's overhyped, you know? And it's it's crazy to me, and I guess to be expected, that Austin Reeves excelling as a Laker has rubbed the world the wrong way when just a few months ago, the same world was rallying around him because he was the best player on a sucky Lakers team. But now that he's a he's one of the best players on a good Lakers team... 
they can't handle it all of a sudden. So right. it's the classic, like, build him up to tear him back down narrative because Austin Reeves all of a sudden is too mainstream now and he's being overhyped by Lakers fans. And for me, it's like, is he being overhyped or is he being correctly hyped based off of what we're seeing him do in the present? He averaged 25 and 5 in the Western Conference Finals. He averaged like 17 and 5 in the entire playoffs on tremendous efficiency. What more does the dude need to prove? I know he needs to prove it over an 82 game regular season, and we're going to see that happen. And fans need to brace themselves for the onslaught of opposing fans coming for Austin Reeves' throat, but also on court defenses coming for Austin Reeves' throat. Like the spotlight is clearly on him. But I just find it kind of hilarious, the response by other people and how they're saying he's overhyped. They're saying he doesn't deserve all-star consideration. I don't know if Austin Reeves is an all-star man. I don't know what his ceiling is. But for God's sake, Kyle Korver was an all-star. And if Kyle Korver was an (laughs) all-star, why can't Austin Reeves be an all-star, right? But we're starting to see all sorts of crazy stuff flying about just because people don't like the fact that Austin Reeves is getting all this hype. And I'm like, how can he not get all this hype when he's like a top three player on Team USA and you guys were saying a couple weeks back that he was a waste of a roster spot, you know? And now people are like, this dude is just a younger Joe Ingles. And first of all, a younger Joe Ingles probably would have a shot at being an all-star. That's besides the point. But any thoughts on the Austin Reeves hate and just how this is going to only be more and more magnified throughout the course of this upcoming season where he's going to have to prove it over 82 games and defenses are going to be scheming for him right out the gate. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, to just to address that all-star point, by the way, it's like when people say that all Austin Reeves has the potential to make an all-star team, I think what people are saying is in the course of his career, he, he is good enough to where if he was in the right situation, he could make an all-star team. I don't think that's like that alarming of a thing. I'm not saying he's going to be like Dwayne Wade and be like a 12-time all-star. <laughs> like no one's suggesting that, but I agree with you. It's the thing that's going to be interesting for Austin is... Now everybody knows who he is. We kind of knew who he was his first season. He His numbers were, you know, um, nothing to write home about. But if you watched and suffered through that season like you and I both did, you would have seen even as an undrafted rookie, he was one of our most consistent players factoring in both sides of the court. Last year, he was probably our third best player the entire season, maybe, you know, offensively, certainly until maybe until we got D'Angelo Russell. So, you know, he's he's already proven it, but he was a relative unknown still. I think the playoffs gave him that bump. I think all the talks surrounding his contract gave him a little bit of a bump. I think, like, obviously the Team USA has given him a big bump in terms of public perception. All of these guys are going to know who Austin Reeves is now. And so how does he adjust to that? How is how does he adjust to, you know, maybe people taking him a little more seriously and and get, playing him a little more physically on the perimeter? How do how does he adjust to people trying to attack him defensively to sort mm-hmm. of burn his energy so he becomes less of an offensive player? Because frankly that's how I view it. I mean, Austin's 6-5, we play him as a point guard and he is his skills are like a point guard, but you know, if I'm a six one guard, I'm attacking this guy because I know that he's going to have advantages on the other side. And and we saw with Sh- uh, Schroeder in, in the in the uh, FIBA tournament how he sort of went at him and, and other teams too. Um, so how does he adjust to all that? He's fortunately 
a very, very high IQ player from everything we've seen. And I personally think he's going to have no issue adjusting. But it is a question. And and so, like, I think for me, the big things with Austin are going to be, you know, not the numbers he puts up. Maybe he doesn't average 17 a game or whatever. Maybe he doesn't take, like, that next logical, quote-unquote, logical step in his development as a player um, and inc- numbers-wise. But, like efficiency can he continue to hit threes at a very efficient rate like he did most of last season and upping the volume and keeping the same efficiency into the playoffs can can he improve the defense can he limit turnovers when when guys start to be more physical with him I think he can do all of these things but those are going to be my questions for him going into the year yeah I agree my last question for you is point Austin what are your thoughts on playmaking Austin Austin getting a little bit more usage is he better on ball or off ball? I think in the context we've seen him, where he's flanked by a LeBron James and Anthony Davis and even a D'Angelo Russell in the playoffs, that's a great context because he has a buffer. And then Team USA, he has buffers. He has Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, etc. But you've also seen when they've given him the ball, he's pretty good with the ball in his hands. Now, he's not as physical, so he is prone to getting trapped and giving the ball up because... While Austin does have shake, you know, he's still not as comfortable a ball handler or as swaggy a ball handler as, say, like a Kyrie Irving or D'Angelo Russell. But the fact that we're already comparing him to these tried and true point guards is already telling. But your thoughts on, is point Austin a thing? Can we reliably rely on Austin Reeves to be the, the main point guard if, let's say, D'Angelo Russell is shipped out? Because... He did show some really nice flashes off the bounce, creating for himself, creating for others, especially in this last Team USA stint where he's hitting like pull-up three-point shots off a crossover, rejecting the screen crossing over, you know, behind his back crossover, which he loves to do. So there's a lot of fun stuff that Austin Reeves can do. And actually last year he shot better off the bounce jump shooting wise than he did catch and shoot. So clearly he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. But if you increase the usage with the ball in his hands and give him more possessions, is that necessarily a good thing or is it going to be one of those regression to the mean things? Are you comfortable with point Austin? I'm very comfortable with point Austin. I I think the team USA thing has been one thing, right? But we're forgetting about the I'm him moment, right? I mean, game one of the playoffs against Memphis, he was the point guard. He was the guy with the ball in his hands down the stretch doing everything LeBron sat in the corner, you know, and like, let him, let him do it. And that's why we won that game. He was a huge reason why we won that series. Um, I think Austin, it's interesting because I think with the starting group, you definitely here, let me start here. I think the beauty about Austin is, and what makes him such a valuable player is he can do both. He can play Mm -hmm. off the ball and he doesn't, demand touches to be effective on overall on both ends we saw that last year most of the season with all the you know big names we had between Russ and LeBron and all these guys who commanded touches Austin was still able to make an impact similarly with Team USA we saw it right like a team that stacked with guys in their mid-20s who were kind of budding stars like Austin was still able to find ways to be effective coming off the bench in that sort of situation But we also saw him have success, great success, tremendous success with the ball in his hands. He was arguably our best non-LeBron ball handler consistently in the playoffs last year, arguably better than D'Angelo Russell when you factor in consistency, right? So I think with the starting group, you want D'Lo to to be that guy. I think once 
once you know, and we'll see it with the staggering. We've we've seen it in the front court with how they stagger eighty in the other bigs and LeBron in the other wings and 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 LeBron in the other guards. Um, frankly, how how we've stacked like or staggered LeBron with Rondo and et cetera, LeBron with Westbrook in the past. I think like the way we stagger Austin and D'Lo is going to be really interesting. I think when D'Lo goes to the bench and Gabe Vincent is your guy. I think you have a really interesting chance to use Austin as your primary ball handler on offense and Gabe Vincent as your primary defender at the point guard spot. And that might actually end up being our best closing lineup with those two guys playing together in the backcourt. So, you know, I, I think the Austin as a point guard thing is for real. I think point guard is actually more of his natural position. I think he's a little still uh, physically underdeveloped to take on some bigger twos. I mean, when you're talking about shooting guards, like Austin Reeves can't guard Paul George, you know what I mean? Like, and and those types of guys. So I, I think him as a playmaking point guard is sort of the missing link, you know, sort of that, that piece that we've been looking for. Like, again, you, Obviously, we've we've talked in the past about the Lakers getting Kyrie and sort of the logic behind the Lakers getting Westbrook in the past, right, was was wanting to take the ball out of LeBron's hands a little bit more during the season and having a reliable guy who could do that because that's the formula that worked with Rondo, right, in the 2019-20 season. I think Austin can absolutely be that guy. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Yeah, he might not get you like D'Angelo Russell's level of flashiness and, and maybe D'Angelo's... Russell's level of preciseness because he's still working on his skills, but he also is a higher floor. Like he doesn't make as many of the, you know, I won't call him boneheaded per se, maybe risky mistakes that D'Angelo makes um, at times. So I, I absolutely think Austin as a point could work. Although I would, I personally would not start him there. Yeah. I think I agree with you and I'll, I'll leave it at this or I'll put it like this where when we traded for D'Angelo Russell, the on-ball usage was probably, with regards to who you would consider the point guard, it would probably be D'Angelo Russell, 75% is the point guard. Austin Reeves gets some reps, 25%, he's the point guard. I'm perfectly comfortable with making that a 50-50 split next season. You know what I mean? So yeah. in that sense, I agree with you. I also, though, would like to keep D'Angelo Russell on the team. And if he's shipped out, I'm hoping we get another primary ball handler back as well, because it'll help Austin continue to hone those skills because like you mentioned and I mentioned actually, like he's he's still not good with elite pressure, especially if he's going to get doubled. You know, that's where the, the true tried and true point guards who are lottery picks can handle that type of pressure better, which is why I think Austin Reeves thrives off of having another ball handler with him, even if in crunch, crunch time situations, you're probably better off with, I mean, I don't want to say better off, but you're just as good. You're just as well off giving Austin the ball and and having him make the crunch time decisions off pick and roll play as you would a D'Angelo Russell, you know? But yeah, ready to see the point Austin experience and have it be a 50-50 split between him and D'Angelo Russell. The Both of their virtues as guards is that they can toggle back and forth and it is a credit to Austin Reeves that he can play extremely well with D'Angelo Russell and play extremely well with Gabe Vincent. So excited to see that all happen, irregardless of all the hate that's about to fall on Austin Reeves' shoulders. I'm sure he'll handle it well. Anyways, with that said, that'll do it for this episode. We will catch you guys next time. Check us out on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app and Spotify as well. And Tommy, I will catch you when the season starts. See ya. Peace. Later. Oh, 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 oh,
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.